0: This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, August 22nd of 2019, it's episode 160. In this episode, we wrap up our Ten Commandments series with the tenth and final commandment, Thou Shalt Not Covet, plus bad games we love, off-worlders character creation, weird technical issues, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. How's everyone doing? As tired as me? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah, we've all had things. For me, it's been uh, back-to-school week, which means that everybody's schedules have radically changed, and yeah, not the best week to try and quit coffee.
1: Oh. Oh, no. Oh, oh, Grant. (laughs)
0: Well, I I have to. It's been yeah. screwing my, screwing me up. I I got back on the habit, and I shouldn't have, and yet I did. High caffeine mm-hmm. tea? <laughs> no, tea's worse. Really? Okay. I'm just I'm trying to get off of it. I'm down to one cup. It's that last cup that's going to get me. Anyway, back to school has been fun. My other one starts school as well. I will have both children in school by this time next month, and there will be actual time. <laughs> we had time again. Insert you know. Twilight Zone bit here. <laughs> Time enough at last. All right.
1: Jenny, you doing okay? Yeah. I had a panic attack earlier this week, yesterday, and it was very bad.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. So
1: I'm not I'm not going to be on the upcoming uh, City on a Hill, but I've talked with Ryan and we're probably going to do a side quest or something. And that was brought on. I have a story. It's not exactly a story. It's more just like, don't be like this. If you're a grandmother... Don't be surprised when your six-year-old gets paint on her hands during a painting project that we told you was going to happen.
0: I mean, this is really good advice, honestly. Yeah, like, Read the I description of things.
1: have been dealing with some people who have who should know how children work, who have no idea how children work, and it's been very frustrating.
0: Yeah, look, if you're a grandmother, do what my parents do for my kids— <laughs> And keep a change of clothes in the car. We give them a change of clothes that yeah. they just keep. And it's like, this is the emergency clothes. We have them in our car, too. They're going to get messy. You won't know how or why they got messy. You'll just know when they come out and they're covered in something. And it's a problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. Like
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. People should know how to handle this. I, I am sorry they don't.
1: Oh, yeah. And then on top of that, I, I decided to... Undertake the monumental task. I don't know if I mentioned this on the mics. I know I mentioned it to you guys. Do you guys remember when right before our book sale, when like just after the day I said we will no longer be accepting donations for the book sale, thirty-two bags of books showed up on my doorstep. (laughs) I remember this. As I recall, it was
0: like basically somebody just dumping trash on your doorstep.
1: Yeah. So I've decided. I did actually take all of those bags inside because they are at that point they were considered free will donations, not specific book sale donations
2: mm-hmm. i've been
1: going through them i've been finding some things some of which are good most of which are very bad and will actually be going to the garbage that level of bad oh
0: dear but not like this needs to go to the police Bad.
1: no just like okay the binding fell off the book and the cover <laughs>
0: Right. This sounds like somebody cleaned out, you know, grandma's house and just said, "Eh, we'll just throw these at the library and they can keep what they want and I don't yep. have
1: to think about it." And then most of them are the bad kind of old book smell. So so that's been oh. havoc with oh, my that allergies too.
2: Musty smell. Moldy.
1: The moldy kind of thing where oh. it's like, "Oh, I'm going to have to peroxide swab most every book that I decide to shelve in oh, this group yuck. because
0: I'm sorry. Well, if it's any consolation, the only reading I've managed to do this week is for the Microsoft Server Provisioning Exam 70-740. So, yeah, that's a whole saga involving work saying, hey, you need to do this thing
2: so that we can keep our thing. And I've been Uh. cataloging a massive pile of crappy old computer hardware and having to redo sections of it because... I lost a bunch of work from a spreadsheet crash and just, Mm. yeah, I have been doing this same thing for the past three weeks. I finally finished this morning. I am so done. Yeah. (sighs) Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about uh, Envy this
2: weekend probably envy of other people's jobs i love my job still envy of my own time off of work at this point (laughs) that too yeah Yeah. uh workday me envies at home in the evening me jenny i'll be
0: honest i'm envious
2: of your job it sounds less stressful you you do it does sound like you have a pretty cool job like i'm
1: complaining about the 32 bags of books but i'm that's a loud blary. That
0: was an incredibly loud blary. I'm we keeping that
1: in. We gotta leave it in. We <laughs> gotta leave it in.
2: The, the windows I mean, are open. I, it's <laughs> oh. Okay, so this is actually a good thing. Let's pivot a little bit into something positive. Like, All right. We've been dealing with a kind of a heat wave here. It mm-hmm. finally broke. Today, the high was under 80 degrees, and it's lovely. Like, the humidity has gone. It, yeah, just have the no, windows open nice. and some fans running and it's just very nice.
0: That's Yay. nice. Tuesday it got down actually below 80 for us as well. Mind you, that was the same storm that knocked out power
1: for oh, us. Like, uh, you know,
0: it, it, honestly, I, I took the trade.
2: Yeah, you, you folks didn't see a blog post where I wrote that the episode was going to be late because the power got knocked out in the middle of editing for Grant. Yeah, but yeah it was Monday. It was, it was Monday, written. that's right.
0: <laughs> because it was like, well, the power company says the tower will be on at 10 o'clock, and I've got 12 minutes of audio left to edit. Uh, oh, no. Okay, it's back on at 7. Thank goodness. Okay, I can get the kids to bed and edit. That was fun. It's been a week, folks.
1: Mm-hmm. It
2: has been a week. It's been
1: two weeks.
2: The, the, the week before, it was fine. It was uh. a week. This has been a week. Oh, no. Actually, the, the week previous was even worse for me, but... Ah, wasn't, Let, bad. wasn't that bad. Let's just kind of... Let me put it to you this way. I have a car that's been in the shop for three weeks and they still can't figure out what's wrong. They're looking at contacting the manufacturer to figure out what's wrong. Yep. Good times. Yeah. So if I seem a little crankier than usual in this episode, now you know why. (laughs) And and he is. We can tell you that he is. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had to have some of my outline phrasing softened by my co-hosts, so... <laughs> yes. It, it showed up in uh, our game Saturday as well. Yeah.
1: Talk about your uh, game on Saturday.
0: I should talk about this game on Saturday.
1: So, we, we've we been trying
0: to find games that we can do uh, while Jenny is still on her hiatus, which I guess is wrapping up
1: soon. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll be back, you know, for September. I'm not taking any... Any classes this
0: coming semester. Okay, there we go. So we can pick that back up. And we had another member of our gaming group take a break as well. So that's kind of left us with just myself, Peter, the newest member of our gaming group, and my wife, Chrissy. So it's like, well, what what can we play with this group that's pretty short? Oh, hey, this thing I've been wanting to do for a while, Offworlders. Offworlders is a. It draws heavily from Powered by the Apocalypse games like Dungeon World. It uses the 2d6, you know, 10 plus, 7 to 9, 6 minus uh, banded success range kind of thing. But it is extremely rules light. The entire PDF is about 30 pages. Those pages are not dense. They are extremely light, filled with lovely art, good design. Lots of white space. It's very readable. Oh, it's extremely readable. So it is extremely easy to read, and it's basically
2: a Firefly slash Traveler role-playing game. Oh, and by the way, it's free. Go, yeah, go snag so it off a drive through RPG and take a look at it. There's no reason not to.
0: Exactly. If you want a printed copy, you can order it from drive through RPG for a very reasonable amount. But the PDF itself is free, and like I said, it's lovely. So, you know, uh, thank you, Chris Perry and your artist whose name escapes me at the moment for putting the work in and making a good game and then creating a free PDF for it. That's Lovely and is going to be our group's first introduction to this story game style of role playing game, which I'm really excited about. We did character creation, which Peter overthought horribly because he
2: had no idea how this worked until we explained it. Well, okay, hang on just a second here. The, this is. No, no, I'm picking on you a little bit here, but. You are missing something. I have played story games before. I, I played a one-shot of In a Wicked Age at a con once. So I've done this before. I just, I have not played something that was specifically powered by the apocalypse before. And a lot of the time, some of the basic questions like, well, what's the world like, that I was asking before we got started are still applicable to a lot of story games. So oh, yeah, absolutely. I have played they story are. games, but I have not played one like this particular one before. That's fair. And I, apparently I'm just in the pick
0: on Peter Mood, and I apologize for that.
2: That's okay. I but, just, You were missing some context there because it never really came up when we were making characters on Saturday. So That's fair. But th- that's the
0: thing. This is a very collaborative game where... The GM just sort of says, here's a couple of extremely basic things that are sort of default assumptions in the setting, but can change. And then it's just questions and answers about what's your character like? Where are they from? What planet are they from? Uh, How are they treated on this planet? Why are they out here doing this? You know, are they in debt to anyone? Is that why they are out here trying to, you know, probably smuggle things and maybe take whatever... Legal-ish jobs they can, you know what, what's yeah, going on with that? this is kind of
2: like Han Solo and/or Firefly levels of sci-fi stuff. It's straight
0: up Firefly. Yeah, it really is. Although there is interstellar travel, but Traveler is honestly a, a good analogy as well, just with a lot less bookkeeping.
2: Yeah, uh, it's very very light. Yeah, I suppose this is to Traveler what Dungeon World is to D anD. d Yeah, probably, probably. It's really good. We've
0: established a lot of things about the setting. Characters have been created, and I'm excited to start running it next week. So next episode, I'll have uh, hopefully a play report on that. I don't know. It should be a lot of fun. Everybody kind of got into their characters. We invented horse weasels. Yeah. You know, we've got a ship, the and the Phoenix Andromeda, that's uh, all shiny and brassy and very much um, hacked up because – well, it was a military ship until somebody got their hands on it and started modifying it.
2: Yeah. The word retrofit does not even begin to do justice to what has happened with this ship. <laughs> yeah. So
0: so it's going to be cool. And um,
2: yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I think this was particularly good
0: because our newest player had really only played D&D before. Well, in World of Darkness. Yeah. and And Vampire, both of which are pretty traditional character creation heavy rules, heavy games, but she's really good at brainstorming. Like she loves to sit down and come up with characters and be like, oh, this is what's going on and, and this and this feeds into this. And that's literally how character creation works in a game like this is, hey, I'm going to ask leading questions about your character and delve into some of these things you've described and poke at him and prod at them.
2: And the, that brings out your character. To, to give you folks an idea, because you've never played with this person, she's one of those people that will have like a character concept. And while everybody is talking about their stuff when it's not her turn anymore, she goes out and finds just the most incredibly representative artwork for the character that you've ever seen somewhere on the internet and has it like shared in the the group discord or something within like 10 minutes, usually if oh, yeah. it takes her that long. So she's, you know, she's really seems to be enjoying kind of the, the spontaneous creative and kind of aesthetically focused aspects mm-hmm. of this already. So that's cool. It's-
0: oh yeah, it's excellent. That's Offworlders. I will link Offworlders, the, the drive through RPG page in the show notes. You absolutely do owe it to yourself to download it and take a look. It's great. It's really, really good. Yeah. And I mean, it's free. You have no excuse. Yeah. There's that as well. We have a pretty big topic to get into, but before we get into our final... Commandment in the Ten Commandments series. We actually wrap up a, a series here. Yes, you heard that right. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a Patreon question to get to, which means I get to roll a die. This is a good one. This is going to be fun. This is from David Hastings or Hastings. I'm never quite sure how that's pronounced. Be Hastings. Hastings.
1: I'll be. I'd be shocked if it was not Hastings.
0: Fair enough. What game do you love personally?
1: Even though you know that
0: objectively, it's not that great.
1: Everything is Dolphins.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm done. And they, th- That's they say RPG, board, or video games are all fair game here.
1: It's everything is Dolphins.
2: There's this old video game called Cold Zero The Last Stand, which is basically just a B action movie and kind of this bizarre, like, mix of action stealth and... Very light strategy and stuff, and it's really not all that great. And it's kind of from that early 2000s era when a lot of that stuff was out. And I've played that thing all the way through and beat it and enjoyed every minute of it.
0: <laughs> that's that's fair. Ugh, it's it's a tough call for me. I don't know enough board games to say. Oh yeah, this this particular
2: board game. They're not usually what I go for. And if you say Monopoly, we're all going to be very concerned.
1: I won't. Oh, uh, I mean. Monopoly is actually, I don't know about like interesting, interesting, but it's not, it's far from the worst board game out there.
2: Oh, that's true. That's very yes, true. Yes, but it has led to many table flips. <laughs> My problem with
0: Monopoly is that I remember playing it in high school with the kind of people who wanted to grow up to be Wall Street people.
1: Oh, uh-huh. ew.
0: Yeah, that was, that was always fun. And by fun, I mean the exact opposite of fun. I'm going to, I'm going to take a controversial stance here. D&D 4th edition. Hmm. I enjoyed 4th edition. I enjoy tactical combat. I enjoy min-maxing. Those are things I enjoy. And 4th edition lends itself very well to that. It has issues on the non-combat side of things, but I enjoy the card mechanic, the power mechanic. You know, uh, I enjoy that whole thing. I have a number of 4th edition books. I still like them. The Eberron 4th edition book, for example, is excellent. There's a great Dungeon Delve book that I'm going to be borrowing from occasionally, which is just literally, here are some random encounters complete with maps for levels 1 to 30. Huh. Put them wherever. Have fun. You know? And those kinds of things are just great. I love those resources, and I love the game. I liked how the game played. Objectively, it's a real pain because combat takes forever, right? Apparently, traditional games with incredibly tedious combat like Shadowrun and 4th Edition D&D are my jam,
2: <laughs> but I love them anyway. So there we go. All right. All right. I mean, 4th Edition did give us skill challenges and minions, so it's it's got some good aspects in there. But yeah, it's probably the least popular edition. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair.
2: So, David, thank you very much for your question. It's a good one. And
0: if you want to get your questions on our show, just go ahead and support us on Patreon, patreon.com savingthegame. If you are already a Patreon backer, make sure that you check the document that you should have a link to or that should be shared with you with all of our questions. And if your section of the backlog is empty, please go ahead and populate that or send send questions to us through Patreon messages or email or Discord instant messages or whatever—we don't care. Just get them to us, and we'll put them in that we, so that we can roll on the table for you. We've got a lot of scripture to read since we've got a pretty sizable topic, and it's very scripture focused. Who wants to start us off with the tenth commandment itself?
2: This is Exodus twenty seventeen: You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor.
0: 1 Kings 21, verses 1-7 to 7. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or, if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay on his bed, sulking, and refused to eat. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel his wife said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite.
1: Luke 12, verse 15. Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you.
2: And we have 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-10. But godliness with contentment is great gain.
0: So, our main topic tonight is the Tenth Commandment, Thou Shalt Not Covet, which is... The
2: last of these. Hooray, we're done. And we have finished a series. At the end of this episode, we will be done and moving on to other series. Since we're on take two of this, that is an important distinction to make because we thought we were done yes, and we're not done. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, real quick
0: on this. We're actually recording this segment about a week later than the first part of the show due to some funky technical issues and scheduling times for re-recording and that sort of thing. I don't really expect any problems, but if we sound a little different or seem a little discombobulated. That's why. It's the first time we've ever had to do this in this seven-year history
2: of this yeah. show. Really? So, but, you know. I thought
1: there was one. I mean, we've,
2: we've had to record huh. emergency replacement episodes before, but not like half of an existing episode. But, in the original recording, and it was just horrible, so. I don't want to get into technical stuff. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's fine. It's not going
0: to happen again, but, you know. It's a thing. Anyway, let's talk about covetousness because what I covet is? your attention. Badushda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, look, I'm, I'm in a good mood. I'm, it's d- fine. Hey, you uh, do you, man. I'm just uh. – <laughs> I I shall. All right. Anyway, covetousness. Um, The Hebrew word that's used in the original text is chamad. It's used about 20 times in the Old Testament, and it's translated variously as Covet or lust or strong desire, depending on the exact context. It should be noted that covetousness generally means a want for something, but there are a few things that it is not. It's not jealousy and it's not just straight desire. Jealousy, when the word is used properly, has a couple of meanings. The first meaning being expecting complete devotion. Uh, We see this a great deal when we see the Old Testament God talked about as a jealous God. Right. There's another meaning that is fear or anger of at being replaced by something else. I am jealous because I think you're going to throw me over. Right. A, a jealous lover sometimes has that connotation. And Jenny, you've got an older me- meaning that you wanted to.
1: English used to really differentiate a lot more between covetousness and jealousy, and it used to mean wanting that which is rightfully yours, that which rightfully belongs to you.
0: Whereas covetousness is wanting things that don't rightly belong to you.
1: Yeah, so there used to be a lot more differentiation between those two terms.
0: Covetousness is also not desire. When we talk about desiring something or simply the verb desire, that is neither good nor bad. Often it is good. We have plenty of hymns that we sing, for example, about our desire for God's goodness and grace. Desire is a motivating emotion for
2: good and ill alike. Sure. If you strongly want to be a good person or if you strongly want to help somebody, it's pretty hard to argue that there's anything bad going on there in most cases. Or
1: even if you strongly want to be like somebody else without taking anything away from them. Like, wow, I want to be Christ-like because Christ is good. That's not bad.
0: You know, I desire to
2: earn my degree, you know, in any of these things. These are not bad. Having motivation is not inherently sinful. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
1: No.
0: (laughs) There's a separate conversation we could have about philosophies of non-attachment versus a desire for goodness and enjoying good things in life that, you know, finds that in and of itself good. But that's a little outside the scope of what we are knowledgeable about, and so I want you to sort of think about that and keep it in mind, but we can't speak authoritatively on that. I've been using this J. Ellsworth Collis Ten Commandments from the Backside book through much of this series, and there's a lovely quote that I want to pull from there talking about covetousness. This is the bitter irony of covetousness. It makes us blind to our own wealth. Prevents our enjoying the beauty which is already ours. So many people don't enjoy the home they have because their eyes are captured by their neighbor's home. They don't truly drink of the friendships available to them because they envy those who live in the world of glamorous, sophisticated people. They don't drink in the color and quality of their own street because they covet a street in New York or Paris or London. Perhaps coveting does nothing worse to us than rob us of what we already have— including sound judgment about life's priorities. That is a wonderful quote.
1: It really is.
0: Another thing that we want to clarify, covetousness is also not to be confused with a righteous anger towards injustice and inequality. Again, covetousness is not defined by being motivated. It's what they are being motivated about and To do what? When someone who doesn't have enough food to eat is angry at the person throwing good food away, that is not them coveting food. That's being hungry and seeing an injustice. Yeah.
1: Or the person who has had their food and water actively stolen from them wanting it back is not (laughs) coveting. Exactly.
0: Seeking justice is not covetousness, even if it involves material possessions, right? Right.
2: Yeah, it's also just plenty looking at want and desiring what want has is covetousness, though. So if you're if you're very wealthy and you see, you know, a poor person with something and you want that thing that they have, that's covetousness.
1: Or you want them not to have it anymore.
2: The whole story of Naboth,
0: the Jezreelite, and Ahab, king of Samaria, and Jezebel, his wife, that whole story is a story of covetousness it's somebody who has much wanting more and not accepting somebody saying no yeah right and then committing injustices and crimes to take what they
2: covet yeah so as a general rule just to kind of reiterate here no matter how badly they want them people who lack things like food water shelter medical care freedom from violence basic human dignity they are not being sinful by wanting those things or wanting them back. And crying out to the haves as they have not, no matter how annoyingly or inconveniently, is also not a sin. In fact, the Bible advises persistence on the part of the deprived and those dealing with injustice, and not just to God, but to temporal authorities as well. See the parable of the unjust judge in Luke 18 for an example. So let's talk a little bit about the commandment in particular. It is kind of intriguingly
0: unique, first and Perhaps least importantly, there are some Christian traditions and some Jewish traditions that divide it up into several commandments rather than what we have treated as a single commandment. Some combine the coveting your neighbor's wife with the bit about adultery to make those one commandment. And then the rest is the 10th commandment. Some divide each clause of what we've listed as the 10th commandment into its own commandment. It's all rather confusing. Um, And it's funny because they all maintain Ten Commandments, but they just divide up the whole passage of Exodus differently.
2: Yeah, if you've never actually looked at the Wikipedia entry for the Ten Commandments, go look at it because there's a neat table that shows where different traditions cut the commandments up. And it's a lot bigger of a table than you think it is. Yeah, I think there's about (laughs) six or seven different entries on there. It's really kind of amazing.
0: It's pretty neat. Yeah. But anyway, that is a fact about this commandment. There you go. There's some Bible trivia for you.
1: Bible facts.
0: I know, right? Secondly, this final commandment arguably is the only one that does this or perhaps wraps back around to the first commandment, depending on exactly how you think of it. But this 10th commandment, this final commandment is the only one that explicitly prohibits a form of thought rather than an action, right? This is talking about coveting, which is something that happens internally. It's talking about don't think about wanting what your neighbor has, rather than don't do this, do this, you know, uh, honor your father and mother, don't use the name of the Lord in vain, things like that. Maimonides, who was a medieval Sephardic Jewish philosopher and very influential Torah scholar, described the Tenth Commandment as a sort of preventative of sin that harms the entire community. To quote, Desire leads to coveting, and coveting leads to stealing. For if the owner of the coveted object does not wish to sell, even though he is offered a good price and is entreated to accept, the person who covets the object will come to steal it as it is written in Micah 2.2. They covet fields and then steal them. And if the owner approaches him with a view to reclaiming his money or preventing the theft, then he will come to murder. Go and learn from the example of Ahab and Naboth. That one sin might be the trigger for another should not surprise anyone. We have talked about that before. We've quoted other verses of scripture. Yes,
2: the great theologian Yoda expressed the related <laughs> sentiment in the Phantom Menace. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Hey, the one good part of the Phantom Menace. Yeah. <laughs> also, the very clever
0: use of Anakin's bowl cut as a shadow. Like, that was the, the other good part of the Phantom Menace. Well, Fight the me. entire movie couldn't be terrible. I mean, it could have been, but it wasn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> there's another quote that I want to give from a modern rabbi. This is uh, Mordecai Vollenberg. By giving us this commandment, God is telling us that, yes, we can control our very thoughts and direct them for good purposes. We are given the gift of human intelligence in order to be able to sift out the good from the bad, even deep in our own thoughts. By doing so, we are utilizing the advantage of human intelligence towards the true, positive, constructive goals for which it was intended. To move towards gaming, I think we all understand that the root sin of envy, sometimes mixed with lust and pride and greed, is a classic villainous motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody wants something, you, you know, oh, if I can't have it, nobody can. I will go to great lengths to take this thing that I want so on and so forth.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's often as much or more about denying the possessor of the coveted thing. I mean, remember that Cain killed Abel out of envy and the thing that he was envious of was God's favor, right? Which, you know, it's like, well, you know, if you're going to favor him over me, then I'm just going to get rid of him. So you can't. Yeah. Uh,
0: Well, at that point it's, you know, I am angry that you have taken something that I think belongs to me or that I desire. And I am taking that out on you so that it will come to me. Eh, uh, that, that's my interpretation. Either or, of a it. little bit of both. Uh, that's that's uh, how I think, that's how covetousness
2: often works. I guess I see Cain uh, is a little more spiteful than you did, oh, I mean, but okay. There's certainly
0: spite as well, don't get me wrong.
2: There's also, of course, the whole David and
0: Bathsheba story, rooted in envy, mixed with lust, but rooted in envy. You know, of course, that one is not just murder. We get rape and murder and abuse of power and all sorts of delightful, fun times. And it's Yeah, not that fun. was
2: pretty bad. Oh, yeah.
0: This is not something that we are unfamiliar with. And we can use that familiarity in gaming because <laughs> it's something that we all do understand and that plenty of other authors and game designers have understood before us. It's not hard to make a story about envy. I mean,
1: that's
2: what most theft stories ultimately are about.
1: See the standard rogue rogue trope of, ooh, shiny, I want.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, anytime you've got a character that's basically a magpie that just grabs anything visibly valuable or something like that, it's probably at least somewhat rooted in envy. Greed is definitely riding shotgun.
1: Yeah, and I think we're mixing, we're also mixing here the seven deadlies with the Ten Commandments. Envy is the... And and covetousness is that root idea of, ooh, shiny, I, I obviously need it.
0: Yeah, and it should be pointed out here that we're not, we're obviously talking about, you know, the, the rogue who can't keep his hands off of other people's possessions, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we all know the bard character who just seduces their way into trouble because they want to. Yeah, uh-huh. same thing, right? Yeah. And... To be sure, this is an excellent villainous motivation.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the root of, I mean, you know, obscure tales like Robin Hood, for instance. Sure. <laughs> you know, anybody's ever heard of that? That was basically the the villainy of Prince John, right? He yeah. wanted everything, so he was taxing people beyond their ability to bear or survive, which necessitated, you know, Sir Robin to rebel and start reclaiming some of those resources for the people that they belonged to in the first place so they could continue to live <laughs>
0: yeah of course like that's absolutely true and you know a more modern take sees companies and corporations in that role whether it's uh the east india company or a cyberpunk mega corporation, you know different
2: tech levels but it's the same basic operating procedure um mm-hmm. yeah and yeah i suppose the one thing i should say there is like Don't forget that, like, this whole, like, corporations doing all kinds of nasty, amoral, dangerous stuff, that started sooner than you think. (laughs) Like, the age of sale was when that really became a thing. Mm -hmm. So, Cue slavery.
0: I mean, from what I understand, you know, even the earliest corporations, like, you know, Roman legal entities, had some of the same thing.
1: Oh, yeah. The tax collectors.
2: Yeah. Jenny took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Back when we were talking about Matthew, it's like uh-huh. the way that that was structured was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this kind of like covetous, pillaging acquisition of wealth was rampant during that time. Yeah, exactly,
0: mm-hmm. the most efficient path to wealth is often shockingly amoral.
1: Uh, yeah. Whether yeah. that
0: be slavery and the slave trade, or like the you know Belgian occupation of the Congo, you know, there's no limit to how bad it can get when you must have everything. Right. Right. And that makes for excellent villains to oppose and an excellent temptation for player characters. Also, very real problems
2: in our world that must be addressed and stopped. This can come up a little more subtly when it's wrapped in bureaucracy. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. as a lifelong Illinoisan, we have a huge problem with corruption in this state. There are definitely good things about the state, too, but like we are known for our corruption here. A lot of what money that should be going to the public good that should be, you know, winding up paving streets or providing, you know, utilities or emergency services or financial aid or that sort of thing is less efficient than it should be because the entire state machine just runs on bribery and graft. And, you know, who's like getting whose beak wet and who's shaking whose hands behind the scenes, you know, oh, there's, yeah. There, it's it's endemic. You know, yeah. we've we've had... Uh, a huge number of governors from both major political parties wind up in federal prison for corruption in my 40-year lifetime. Like, just because it seems civilized doesn't mean it's not going on, you know?
1: Yeah, and this this doesn't even have to be a big city thing either.
0: Oh, no, it's often more more prominent in small cities where there's less oversight and more direct personal power.
1: Or sure. even small towns, less in the bureaucracy and more in... The reputation of the old families, if 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 that makes any sense to anyone. The old families have a lot of pull, and being covetous of reputation and the old families' own covetousness for their own goods and land, etc., oh my goodness, it is everywhere. Like, oh it's my land! It's mine, it belongs to me. You can't tax it. Uh, friendo. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not how it works.
2: I'll give you an example from from the town that I live in, actually. For a long time, there was a certain kind of business that wanted to move in. A couple of the larger chains that provided this particular type of business had been making bids on various, like, vacant buildings and plots of land and that sort of thing around town. It would have probably wound up in a little bit more local employment and stuff. It would have been good, you know. but. Because one of the old families had a very subpar version of one of these businesses, it was blocked, and the stated reason is they didn't want it competing with the already established uh, one. Yeah. yeah. They weren't even hiding it. So, And this is only a town of 7600 that I live in. It is This is not a teeming metropolis sure. by any stretch of the imagination. I want to
0: circle back around to bureaucracy real quick. Okay. One of the things that we've had several stories about over the past couple of years in the United States are – Small towns that have for various – through various different means uh, written enormous numbers of like speeding tickets, for example, collecting just Mm, huge mm -hmm. amounts of money. And some of that is because the police feel entitled to lots of stuff and some of it is the laws have been changed such that ticket money then goes back into the police department, making it quote-unquote self-funding, which, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a conversation to have. And here's a hint, Uh, you know – It's
2: it's not a good idea. Don't do that. There's actually a town around here that's notorious, that I'll tell you when we finish.
0: A few episodes ago, about eminent domain, for example, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But these are the classic examples of a semi-bureaucratic force tweaking, you know, changing the rules or using the rules to literally commit highway robbery in some cases. Right? There was a great example of a town. I want to say in Florida. That was like a mile or half a mile away from the interstate and it annexed land, like a a hundred meter long strip of land going out to the interstate such that the interstate was then in its jurisdiction. Oh, gosh. And just started writing tickets. Right. I've got a story here about uh, Waldo, Florida, which used to be one of the worst speed traps in the nation where the police department had to be disbanded <laughs> because it was. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, yeah, it uh, it was really bad. They had a illegal ticket quota uh, and evidence being stored improperly. But to give you an example, in the year this article was written, which was 2014, Waldo's seven police officers wrote. 12,000 speeding tickets, collecting $400,000 in fines, which was a third of the town's total revenue.
2: Huh. Good grief. Yeah. Okay. How many is that in an eight hour shift? Uh, it's a lot. That's, that's like literally pulling over the next car you see as soon as you yeah. finish. Yeah. The with town had much.
0: six different speed limits in just a couple of miles. You entered at 65 miles an hour, then dropped 55, 45, 35, which is a great, point to you know catch people i got caught my only speeding ticket ever was when the interstate changed its speed and i didn't notice right and there was a cop just sitting on the interstate going oh boy yeah somebody's gonna come up this hill and oh i gotcha yeah same thing right
2: okay so there is a town named bull valley in my county that is notorious for this bull valley is very very hilly and one of the tricks that the Bull Valley Police Department will do is they will park a car in plain view at the bottom of this gigantic steep hill. And if at any point down the hill you exceed the speed limit by even half a mile an hour, you get a ticket. So they got so notorious for this that it went to the county government, who, which is where, you know, the courts are. I was in um, the internship for the sheriff's police way back when in the day. And I was observing the courts. And so I walked into there and, you know, kind of got situated by the other people that were officiating and things and people filed in and the judge came in and, you know, after the all rise and everybody sat back down and everything, he was like, all right, anybody who's here with a ticket from Bull Valley, your case is dismissed. Get out of my courtroom. (laughs) And like half the people stood up and walked out. Wow. Yeah.
1: Moving on to more, slightly more gaming related topics. Well, no, the
0: point is, this is. This is the kind of bureaucracy and small criminality that player characters love to fight against mm-hmm. because it is so related to real lived experience.
1: Yeah. Petty. Yeah. It's petty theft. Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Yeah. So
1: For the less realistic experience, let's talk about dragons and their hordes. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So D&D, you know, with their color-coded dragons, does something kind of interesting with this. So your your chromatic dragons obviously are very covetous with their hordes. They'll see whatever wealth they want, they'll take it, they'll keep it forever, they'll acquire it through whatever villainous means necessary. And standard then, smog. Yeah, yeah, standard smog. Sure. And if you take one out, you can, you know, collect all of that and, you know, maybe you, players start becoming covetous of the wealth of the dragon or something like that. But... Interestingly, metallic dragons, because they tend to be good, will hoard stuff that doesn't deprive others a lot of the time. So things like knowledge or experiences or they will accumulate wealth, but then they will look at it from like a stewardship kind of an angle where it's like, okay, I have this big pile of wealth. You know, um, I'm a metallic dragon, so I got this through ethical, legitimate businesses. I'm just really old and very smart, so I'm good at this. I love the idea of a metallic dragon
0: who presents himself to the party as like, I am a legitimate businessman. What? Why don't you trust me? I have an entirely legitimate business, which has given me all of this money. Please
2: don't rob my hoard. Like, I'm sorry. I, I love that idea. <laughs> okay. But at any rate, a lot of the time they'll... They'll take that and they'll use it to sponsor things that are good in the world. They take almost kind of a, a philanthropic angle. And that can be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's not wealth that's necessarily the problem. It's wealth when it is causing privation for others sure. or is acquired through bad means. I like, can
1: one-up Grant's idea! Please do. Those who follow the same Tumblr threads that I did uh, about three years ago we'll remember the whole book horde thing. Libraries used to be called book hordes. They were not public. They were generally literal hordes, frequently well-organized by crazy men. I I am very distantly related to uh, Sir Walter Scott, who was considered a wizard because he thought that women should have education and that... And he just had this massive book horde, so he was definitely a wizard. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's delightful. same buddy
1: who wrote uh, Ivanhoe, I believe. so yeah. anyway, okay, concept metallic dragon librarian.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's it no, I mean that's that's funny uh,
1: I mean, we we had the
2: tired Koatl librarian from uh, an episode of Gameable way oh, back. Yeah, that's I mean, true.
0: yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Maybe
2: he could hire the Koatl and you know yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. provide it with coffee in exchange for organizing the stacks or something. Well, and
0: <laughs> often a trope that I see, you know, where they're trying to say, well, this is a dragon and they have hordes. They have to, right? We can't have a dragon without a horde. But they're a good dragon, so let's find something else for them to hoard. They'll often ho horde. Things that are not as valuable but have, like, sentimental meaning or they'll get, like, gifts. One of my favorite ones is, like, a copper dragon that only hoards copper things. So it's like, yes, you know, you've you've (laughs) defeated the copper dragon. Here's their whole thing. It's all copper. Everything is copper. By the way, he was nice and the
2: neighbors are mad. (laughs) Well, that, but (laughs) also, like,
0: you know, yes, their hoard is entirely in
2: copper pieces. I hope you brought wheelbarrows. Yeah. Yeah. You can make enough wire to wrap around the globe. Unfortunately, you live in a society where that is useless for several hundred more years.
0: Obviously, this is playing off the smog trope, and that's what chromatic dragons in D&D play into, and that's great. Personally, I'm fond of dragons as more mysterious and awful, you know, unless I have all this money, but that's a purely personal thing. Mm-hmm. Hoarding knowledge, you know, to, to get back to the library thing, is certainly a good one. It doesn't necessarily have to be written down, but I, I love the idea of a dragon as a hoarder of secrets. That's yeah. always been something that appeals to me greatly.
1: If you want to go the non-dragon route, literally any bird with eyes. Yeah. Like. Traditionally like,
0: an owl.
2: I mean, uh, owls,
1: I, Ravens. Ravens, though. Sure. Like, owls, like, in terms of hoards of knowledge, owls, yes, but.
2: Oh, Like, yeah, if the you're ravens about.
1: are the, oh, shiny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Give them something shiny that they haven't seen before, and yeah, your giant, intelligent raven will happily, you know, trade you that other trinket they found, I'm sure. It's fine. If you are up for a dark game, and by you, I mean you and your group, because this needs to be something that you yep. talk about with your group beforehand. Respect
2: all of the safety concerns, you know, lines and veils and so on, but. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to, you know, have a slightly darker story arc, something like that. Covetous leads to
0: all sorts of terrible sins, as we talked about before. And those cascade effects can be pretty brutal. Slavery. Look at the Trojan. Yeah, we talked about slavery, but look at the Trojan War, right? Don't Covet Your Neighbor's Wife became a
2: geopolitical conflict that ended with a city burning down. I mean, a really vicious war leading up to that point, too.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to stress again that there are there are certain tropes that play off this, like um, you know, other sins that or, I'm going to say sins, other like anti-hero or you know, dark hero style character archetypes who are like you know, I am motivated by anger at this injustice, and I'm going to be the you know, dark uh, avenger who strikes in the night, that kind of thing, you know, like. Or your oath of vengeance archetype in the player's handbook or what, you know, whatever, right? All of that. Those are all things that exist, but there's really not a good one for covetousness. Yeah. I mean, you
2: can, you know, even though things like wrath, which is where you get that kind of oath of vengeance archetype is, is sinful. It's at least sinful in a understandable or sympathetic way, you know, at least in the trope sense, like, oh, I can understand, you know, this horrible thing was done to this person and now they want to balance the scale somehow. We can talk about how that's wrong, but you get that on a visceral level. But, oh, this person is incredibly wealthy and they want to take everything that these poor people have because they think they should have literally everything. That's a lot less sympathetic. Or this guy already is married, but he wants that guy's wife because he's covetous of it. That's also really, you know, crummy, especially if the wife is definitely not down for that, you know?
1: Yeah. Even if we're going just commandments type of sin, like, there is justification for killing a person in self-defense. There Sure, is justification for theft in terms of you got to steal bread if you're starving, you know? Mm -hmm. But like, there's no-
0: Justification for- Absolutely no
1: justification for being like- I shouldn't have this, but I want anyway.
0: (laughs) Well, and that gets back to the internal nature of what this commandment is talking about. It's naked selfishness. I am the only person who truly matters. Well, it is. But also, again, this is not a commandment about action. It's a commandment about thought, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's where this is most clearly indicated. There is no excuse for it. There is no qualifying circumstance. There's just what's happening in your head that's motivating you.
1: And that's why I think, especially with this one, with it as a root cause, lines and veils are so key. Yeah. Because it can lead to, to just such a wide variety of things as well. Because it's like, m- murder is, is is a murder. Like, th- th- that is a very specific action that happens. Yep. Someone was alive, you you did a thing, and now they're dead. Whereas covetousness as the precursor to so many sins, you you've got to be careful with where th- that precursor leads to.
2: Yeah, but it, at the same time, it doesn't take a very deep reading of history or scripture to see how, just how bad it can go if you're looking for examples.
1: Oh, not at all. Yeah, so round the table.
0: Yes, and, and this is going to blur pretty heavily because it's not just the table that we're talking about. We're talking about yeah, life right. in general. Mm-hmm. First off, the very obvious basic one, don't steal the DM's pizza, right?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, you just had to sorry. go there, I had you? to. <laughs> I had to go there. Somebody's been listening uh, to a lot okay. of System Mastery lately, I see. I have, and oh my goodness, the latest one is insane. And here comes Blary. Oh, good. I can tell you about
0: Eorah's <laughs> essence with the absolutely nonsensical character sheet and the book that is a, an attempt to indoctrinate you into what appears to be a metaphysical cult. Oh, no. Wow. Oh, it's crazy. You really need to listen to the, Listen, System Mastery has a lot of swearing. If you're okay with that. You need to listen to these episodes. They're insane. The books are real weird. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So back to around the table. Yes. Okay. Let's not be that guy and roll need when you don't need.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Don't grab for all the loot or hide loot from the rest of the group without reason. Like if you're hiding a cursed sword from the person with the low wisdom score, you know, do that.
2: Although, maybe don't hide it from the person with a high wisdom score because you can get an interesting story out of that. Yes. It's much Lambert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on. I, I, that was a yes. specific reference, yeah. Jenny.
1: <laughs> Still, though, don't just grab for all the loot. Share. It's literally just like Barney logic. Just share. <laughs> Barney
2: yeah, and logic. I, I hope that,
0: in general, the kind of gaming that permits people to just steal all the loot and. The GM Go well roll to see if you notice him stealing it. Like, I hope that has largely gone out of favor. I'm sure it's not Absolutely extinct. not. I'm sure Abs-
1: it's I I don't think it's gone that far out of favor either. That
0: disappoints me.
2: I hope that has gone out of favor among our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Okay. There's yes. that. There we go. Also, don't do it with like physical objects around the table.
0: Yes. That's gaming supplies, food, <laughs>
2: food your fellow gamers. Hang on, yeah. the, the the fellow gamers thing is important, and I want to unpack that a little bit, right?
1: Yeah. Also, gamers aren't things. Yeah, they absolutely are not. And when you treat them as such, it's a problem. Stop being a. Uh, hey, Grant, you want to bleep?
0: I'm not <laughs> you wanna editing
1: bleep the word. Make Make Justin learn. Oh to bleep. yeah. Hey, Justin, um, don't be a. Don't be a d- You know, try to pretend that everyone's priority should be the game. Don't be covetous of other people's time. Don't be covetous of other people's relationships. I've seen that destroy gaming Uh groups before. Don't just just treat people like people and recognize that they are their own dang persons who, you know, should... We game for fun. We We don't game to be owned or be controlled by other people. Yeah.
2: This is true, and I I have some specific examples of that that I would like to get into. One of the the things that I have seen or at least heard about, um, I haven't witnessed this firsthand, thank goodness, but the idea that, oh, that person's a really good gamer, so I'm going to try and break up the group that they're in so they'll come and play with Mm -hmm. us. That's not okay. No, Uh, especially if they and or the other group are enjoying themselves. Now, if they're really good and they're miserable, like going and saying, hey, we're really nice over here. We're not going to do that stuff that you don't like. Why don't you come game with us? That's okay. Yeah. Helping people out of bad situations.
1: Yeah. Or that one person coming to you and being like, please give me an excuse to get out of this group. Like, yes, that's the fine. I'm
2: free incident with Grant and his player character dying yeah. that one time.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about but, that.
2: But the the other um, thing that I want to bring up here is gaming has gotten more public, right? And as, as gaming has become more public, gaming accessories become more and more visible, right? I mean, you know, people will have like these really nice hardwood $5,000 tables with like a TV mounted in the middle for map projection and stuff. That stuff is cool. The giant shelf of books, mm. which is what I actually yeah. get envious of. Remind me never to actually lay out my whole gaming library. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took advantage of the employee discount when I was at Barnes & Noble. I was young and irresponsible. What can I say? There is a, you know, you'll get people who are kind of covetous of that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. people's hobby supplies. They're metallic dice that were made from a meteor. Oh, or, right. You know, some of that sort of thing. The other thing that I see, though... A lot these days, at least in forums and online communities, is people being covetous of production values and visible skill. Yeah. So this gets turned around. This is one of those things that we
0: where we talk about covetousness, we have to distinguish it a little bit from envy here because i feel like you're right. talking mostly about something that is technically maybe envy but it's still very much worth talking about because you're not stealing <laughs> someone else's production value right what you do is not right, unless you're you breaking into matt mercer's studio and stealing his lights you know
2: you're not you're not doing that right yeah, but the idea that you're not Matt Mercer, or you're not Matt Coville, or you're not the Adventure Zone guys, and therefore you are unqualified to GM or play right. or, or whatever. Right, or you have to have a game that looks like that. Yeah, yeah, you have to have, like, all the miniatures and the 3D terrain and the, you know, it's like, come on, man. You know, the, there are advantages that even your not-professional voice actor gaming group has that those people wouldn't if you were playing with them. First of all, if you aren't a professional voice actor and you sit down and play with a bunch of them, odds are very good that the imposter syndrome is going to set in real fast. Oh, yeah. Probably not so much with your friends. Yes. Second of all, along those lines, a lot of what makes gaming truly worthwhile as an experience is the bonds that you form with the other people around the table. And like voice acting skill and stuff, while cool to watch in productions, is no substitute for that. Chrissy and I are not brilliant voice actors, but the dynamic between Aster and Lambert in Grant's colony game was amazing. I'm loving what we have
0: in the Charm game, should it ever pick back up, and I hope it does soon, with Ganelon and everyone else in the group who are like, hey, boss, can I do this?
1: Yeah, whatever. See? Like, that's (laughs) just fun, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, It's great. The, the Sharn group is a very different, like, bunch of characters from the colony mm-hmm. game, but, like, it's the same batch of players, so the trust is there, and we can explore, like, different relational dynamics and stuff. Like, the the person that Nasir is the closest to in the colony game is the um, the fire sorceress played by our newest yep. player, and, you know, they go off and do stuff together all the time because they're old friends, and that stuff is cool and you are not as likely to get that if all you do is look for like acting skill and stuff. And I
0: want to get back to production value of some of the stuff that's used at the table because this is actually something I really struggle with. I love making battle maps and I get super envious of anyone who makes good maps. Like it hurts. Like it, it really <laughs> bothers me that I am not as good at those people as those people, and I desperately want to be. I will spend hours making one battle map in whatever tools I have handy, just to be like. I hope you see that I've put a ton of time and effort into this, and that it's absolutely gorgeous.
2: It's a real problem for me. It really yeah. is. <laughs> I mean, if you're just using it as a creative outlet, that's yeah, fine. No, but no, yeah, it's, I, this is one of those cases where motivation does matter, like we were talking about earlier. Well, the motivation is not entirely healthy. I can tell you that. Now, I
0: also want it to be a good gaming experience. I want it to be like, yeah, you know, this is the environment you're in and I want it to be descriptive and I want it to be interesting, right? Like I, it's not just, oh, I'm showing off. It's I want this to be something other than a, you know, 10 square by eight square empty room where we're just moving around in open space. I want there to be interesting terrain and, you know, things like, hey, maybe you shouldn't step on that weird, funny, glowing sigil and, you know, oh, yep, that's a hole in a bridge. You uh, you shouldn't step there. And yeah, here's a wall you can hide behind or take advantage of and some other, you know, I want all that fun, interactive right. stuff, right? But there is that part of me that's like, I get mad when I see people who have really good Patreons full of good battle maps huh. because like, yeah. i want that <laughs> you know like I, I want it it's it's not healthy it's not good but it's a real mm-hmm. thing that i suffer from and you know i try and tamp it down if i'm running a game where battle maps aren't used like the offworlders game doesn't right. matter right it's only in games where there are battle maps like D D,
2: that it becomes you a know problem who's really me. good at avoiding that temptation as far as i can tell ryan felton Ryan makes just these really, I mean, they're very functional. They're very They've got, like, the stuff that you can interact with, like you were talking about. But you can tell that Ryan's primary concern is just, hey, my players need to know where stuff is, yeah. you know? I mean, he actually yeah, parks stuff, that's like, right on the, the grid in the back. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes that can actually be more immersive because you're thinking about what your player is seeing rather than looking at what you're seeing on the screen.
0: Yes. And it gives you, like... Rather than, oh, I do these cool tactical moves that are impossible to translate to a podcast, it's I'm going to interact in an interesting social way and actually have dramatic interaction with other characters during this combat scene. And that's more interesting and fun.
1: One of the most interesting combats and fun combats I've ever been a part of was where the map was a cookie tray and the minis were cookies. And when a monster died, we ate it. I mean, this so sounds like, delicious. Like <laughs> production value ain't key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Was this during Christmas uh, at
1: some point? No, Mom <laughs> just made cookies for gaming. Nice. Uh, we had a very standard, we have cookies, we have mandarin orange and honeybush tea, and generally, uh, one of our players would also bring some sort of healthy snack. So, Yeah. That's fair. Chrissy, I have new gaming standards. <laughs> don't tear people down for their quality yeah. of game. It's And don't yeah. give into
0: it yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, if if it's enough to stimulate the imagination, keep the rules organized, and let you all have fun, that really is all you need.
2: If you want to put more effort in for some big
0: set piece, go for it, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun, and you should. Or if but- you're just
2: enjoying it as an artistic outlet, I mean, you will never hear us, like, get on people for being creative for oh, its own no. sake. That like, is absolutely super healthy. Not. Yeah, of
1: course. But please also don't break your bank. Please, like, don't yes. go yes. into actual debt. Like, this is a, a real thing that people actually do. Do not go into actual debt for a hobby that, that you aren't mm-hmm. attending to, like, may- maybe for a business, if you think you can get the money back, but, like don't drop 5,000 bucks on a gaming table if you can't afford it because you want to be just like so-and-so. Like, don't hurt yourself over this hobby. Please. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've please I've don't. seen
2: people do that with, um... Uh, CCGs and, uh, especially with, like, miniature war games like, yes, uh, oh War Machine gosh. and, uh, Warhammer and stuff, like, mm-hmm. those are notorious mm-hmm. for their ability to just extract money from people who don't necessarily have it to spend. Yeah, oh, I got family who've been hit by that bug.
1: A lot of, uh, also keep in mind, a lot of these companies will want to capitalize on on your covetousness and your envy. Please do keep that in mind. That is how loot bo- that's how loot boxes work. That's how a lot of CCGs work. Please please keep that in mind.
2: Yeah, it's one of the reasons to to be a little, you know, on myself here. It is one of many reasons why I stopped playing Magic and sold my collection off. Is I realized that it wasn't super bad, but this was growing in me, and it's like, mm, yeah, this is taking up a little too much space in my brain and my wallet. It's time for this to be put aside.
1: Mm-hmm. If you see this growing in yourself and you want to maybe do good with it, check your local library. Like, just saying, mm-hmm. if, if, uh, I, the vast majority of of local libraries these days are probably looking to do some sort of programming to do with tabletop tabletop gaming. Um, yeah. So absolutely. if if you aren't concerned with making a buck off of your stuff, then then yeah,
0: exactly. And the last thing I want to mention on that is uh, kickstarters are also a real uh, temptation for people who mm-hmm. struggle with this. Think carefully before you back something yeah. that you can't yeah. afford. I think we've about hit the limit of this particular topic. Also, we're done mm-hmm. again. Hooray. Yes. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: Feels good. No no weirdness uh, on
2: my audio this time, hopefully. Nope.
0: I hope not. Uh if there is, we'll make Peter re record it and it'll be hilarious. <laughs> um I discovered the other day that and this is a very random tangent. Who here has played uh the Elder Scrolls for nope. Oblivion?
1: I've watched many playthroughs.
0: Okay. You've watched playthroughs. Have you noticed the voice yes. acting's kind of bad? Why? you know why mm-hmm. the voice actors were given their lines in alphabetical no! order you are kidding
1: no, me no i do alphabetical order at work and i know when it should be used <laughs> and when it should not be used
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> broken poor jenny
0: grant <laughs> and on that note <laughs> it broke it broke me when i learned that uh, it's that's horrifying. It's all right uh sorry We'll, we'll make Peter do that. It would be hilarious. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> at any rate. Give him, no, don't go one further. Give him all the individual letters in alphabetical order.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're That'd not just
2: be... So, obviously,
0: we are done with the Ten Commandments yeah. series. Thank you for everyone for enjoying it, sticking through it. Uh, we've got a lot of good feedback on this series, and we're very glad that everybody yeah. has enjoyed it.
2: Oh, um, one, one more thing about that specifically. Thank you to one of our listeners who mentioned to us a while ago that we had gone a full year without adding an episode to this series. Yes, Thank yes. you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
0: We appreciate that. As a quick reminder, if you want to go catch up on the whole series, of course, you can go listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, that sort of thing. You can also go to our website. We have it broken down in the menu into series. And then if you click on any episode in the series on our blog, stgcast.org, you can then see – a category that is just that series. So if you want to see all of the Ten Commandments episodes, you can click on that and they're all listed right there for you. It, we make it very easy. We are also at some point going to be kicking off a series talking about alignments. Uh, it's going to be a proper nine-part series. It'll be a lot of fun, I'm sure. And yeah, it's uh, we got a bunch of stuff coming down the pike. Uh, Jenny actually made arrangements or at least got a, a new guest to agree Literally just before yeah. we recorded yep. to come on the show. So I'm excited <laughs> And we've about got that.
2: another one coming back that has only been on once before. And dun, talking dun, to that dun, person should be yeah. very interesting because we are uh, consulting them on something that they are something of an expert on. So that should be pretty yes.
0: cool. We're, we're excited. It's going to yeah. be great. All right. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. That really helps us a lot. Every review bumps us up significantly in ratings and in people finding our our show, we get found much more easily when people are reviewing episodes and reviewing mm-hmm. our show. It really does help. It has a noticeable impact on yes. our numbers. Also,
2: it seems to um, help particularly when people mention us on Twitter in general RPG discussions. We have at least gotten a bunch of Twitter followers that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that
2: has been nice. So, All right. To give you some idea of the difference
0: between our Previous failed recording session in this one. This one's about twice as long. This is actually
2: a much better version of this. I'm kind of glad for the audio issues at this point, but we should probably have some mercy on poor Justin, who has to edit this in less time than usual. Indeed. So, from all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. See you later, folks.
0: This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nyhalor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good,
1: and happy gaming.